welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled Abalone. It is from the album Crispy Crunchy Nothing. It is by the band Pax, and my guest today is the singer of that fine song, Madeline Link. This album is will be released March 31st, 2023. If you're listening to my podcast the day it comes out, fresh out of the podcast streaming app, that will be tomorrow. The album is out tomorrow. Either way, there are links in the show notes. You can go buy the album. Please do buy the album. Uh, it is Pac's second album, and I will tell you this. It's one of my favorite bands. They are, I listen to them quite a lot, and I think Madeline is a unique and interesting human and songwriter. I really Both episodes I've had with her were a lot of fun, and she's a very funny, playful individual. And I, in the show notes, there's a link to the first episode, so you can listen to both if you haven't listened to it, because she's really fun. And I got, she was kind enough to send me an early link to the this new album, Crispy Crunchy Nothing, out on Fire Talk, March 31st, 2023. And it's a great album. I love the first album. I think I like this one more, but they're pretty close. Anyway, I the first time I heard Madeline, I thought, this is a person who's going to continue to do interesting work. And so far, I'm being proven correct. Real quick show note, she was in Chile when she recorded this podcast. She had kind of a weak internet connection, so there's a couple times when she cuts out. I edited around that, but it's still kind of weird at times. So if there's like a brief jump in conversation, you know why. But it's still great. It's a great conversation. I really laughed a lot, and uh, I hope she did too. Uh, something I like to plug every episode, and I will be doing so until about October, is an album I produced and curated with Sub Pop Records. And it is called The Eleventh Hour, Songs for Climate Justice. 100% of the proceeds of that album go to the Climate Emergency Fund. So please purchase that album at Sub Pop Records. Up, That link is in the show notes as well. 100% of the proceeds go to the Climate Emergency Fund, who fund climate activists, and uh, you may or may not know this, but climate activists can be charged with domestic terrorism, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. Hello, welcome to capitalism, where someone who's defending the future of our water and healthy of our planet and lives is a terrorist, the motherfucker who dumps oil into the fucking ocean. He's a good guy, just a nice guy doing business, just a guy making a buck. So please... And you can also donate to the Climate Emergency Fund. So buy the album, donate to the Climate Emergency Fund. It's very uh, helpful and stuff. Uh, a lot of my episodes, and I think the ep- first episode I did with Madeline Link has was a long episode. You could go to the my Patreon, and you can listen to the part two of that first episode. A lot of my episodes have a part two. This one doesn't because Madeline's phone ran out of juice. But uh, there's also blogs, all kinds of fun stuff in the Patreon. $5 a month, you get bonus episodes, early releases, video, blogs from me, all kinds of fun. It's so much fun. But if you were a Patreon subscriber, you could have listened to this episode already. It's been up there for a couple weeks. See how it goes? Uh, also, yeah, like I said, thematwire.com. Go to thematwire.com. That's all things Matthewire. You can get merch. You could get onto my social media. You could email me and say, fuck you, which would 
I'd prefer if you didn't. I'd prefer an I love you over an I uh, fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, but yeah, and if you need a website, you can go to kellyrdewire.com, and that's my partner. She makes websites, kellyrdewire.com. She does, like, big podcasts. Not my dumb little thing. She does big, big podcasts. Websites, like uh, My Favorite Murder. Uh, among many other things, and artists and actors and politicians, she does all kinds of websites, so go get a website. And tell her I sent you, because that will make her love me more. And I need all the love I can get. That is it for my intro. Um, please enjoy this episode with Madeline Link of PAX. First of all, I want to go, I just want to say that out of, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts. I always, I know we've only like officially talked once, but like, I loved talking to you so much the first time. You're like, you were one of my all time favorite folk to oh. chat with. Cause you're funny and you're, oh. you're, I don't know, you're awesome. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I had lots of fun. That was like my first interview, uh, ever probably. Oh, good. <laughs> well, you were, you were very yeah. good at it. Thank you. Uh, I and I like I I don't know. I've always like I obviously I follow and I listen to your music. Probably you're still probably top in the tops. Tops of always what goes on to the turntable. Cool. You have you have the record? Fuck yeah, I got the record. I didn't oh, order the new awesome. one because I'm moving and I've already packed my records and get on it. I will. <laughs> I'm getting. No, I will because. Uh, because I've listened to it because you were so kind to send me the link. And oh, yeah. True. It's so fucking good. Thank you. I want to ask, it, it, I don't know if I noticed the bass player. Like, did the his bass playing, I don't know if I'm not, if I just didn't listen to it as much in the first album, but, like, his bass playing seems different, and it's great. Is that crazy observation? No. The bass in this on this record is for front and what is the expression front and foremost first and foremost i don't know it is no front and center that's what i was looking for yeah yeah it's totally front and center his bass playing maybe has improved as as probably hopefully all of our playing has but yeah the the bass the mix the bass in the mixes of these songs is like totally shining because his bass is so groovy. It and is. Yeah. Yeah. It really leapt out to me. I mean, there's a lot that leapt out to me. Uh, uh, I felt like when you said improved, cause I was like, like I wanted to say something like that, like it's, but it's like evolved or like your growth, but I don't want to make it sound like, well, you guys were a bunch of simpletons on the first record. And <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I but mean? it like makes sense. A, yeah. But I feel like the songwriting, every, I don't know. It's just, there's something different about it that I really love. And it was why I liked your music to begin with. Cause I was like, this person is going to do interesting things. This, you know, it, this is going to keep happening is how I felt. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> uh, was that some? 
was that a choice to mix the bass front and center to make because it was so groovy or was that just an organic shindig? It just happened. It just happened. We mixed with this awesome guy named Nick Kinsey in like two hours north of New York City in, I guess, I don't know if it's the Hudson Valley. Sure. Might be. You know me and, and my geography. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're coming in clutch with the observations. Um, yeah, he we, we were like chilling for a week there, mixing the whole record. And he has like an analog setup. So um, I think maybe, I don't know, the way that he had his setup he had each instrument on a like a a thing that does this a volume thingy uh-huh and yeah that was how everything was mixed and we just like i also had food poisoning <laughs> um were you there and for- i was like lying down like for mo- many of the days cuz i couldn't stand up or i would shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> i get it i've been there yeah i'm proud it was intense yeah yeah but i was like i have to make this record i have to mix this record with nick so yeah so are you avidly, I don't know how that works. So you avidly were involved in the mixing? And yeah. I, I was in Mexico for two weeks right before that. I got, I, that's why you almost arrived. shit your pants. Yeah. I, I actually, I ended up having a parasite. God damn. Yeah. But so I, I got back from Mexico and then the day after I got back, I drove like six hours to Nick's studio and yeah, we were in the studio from the morning to the evening, um, going just going through each song. And then when we finished each song, it wasn't like we could um, like go back to it because it was analog. Once he finished printing, once we finished printing that version of the song, that was the only version of that song that could exist. And then if we wanted to change it, we could go back and try to do it the same, but it would never be the same. So there was quite a bit of like pressure each time we've, we, we started mixing one song. It was like, okay, are you ready to mix this one? Okay, let's go. (laughs) Was, was the whole band there or was it just you? Just me. You're pretty much like the, it's, it's you, right? Like the bulk of it, the band? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I write the songs and the lyrics and the, the melodies. How much do the... I, go ahead. They each write their own parts. Okay. I was curious. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't... Because I don't know how that works. I know you're like, usually there's one person who does... Do, do the other folk ever go like, hey, I want to write a song? And you then then you pull them a cart uh, and say, sit... Uh, be quiet, Ringo. So do you guys want to talk about the next record? And they're like, yeah, and how many songs on it we're going to have? And I'm like, yeah, like, sure. But I, they each have their own creative outlets, like, to varying degrees. So, like, 
if they ever like there have been songs that we've all written together and I think that the next record we're probably going to write more songs together because we're not going to be doing so much stuff from a distance but um it's like really up to them if they would if they want to write a song for for the band that they could (laughs) were you surprised that when the first record came out that because i looked the other day i think and not that i give a fuck about numbers i think numbers are whatever but like i think you have like a hundred thousand a month on spotify of listeners yeah i have no idea well i have not looked (laughs) and the recent single or the first single off the new album already has like a shit ton of streams which is i guess the current day hit what you say is a hit (laughs) i don't know i think like playlist ads are maybe indicative of that like there's some songs that get on to like pollen like that's one big playlist on spotify there's like huge like mega monolith monolithic playlists i would say and if your song gets on that monolithic playlist like it's game over in a good way who makes those (laughs) who makes those choices is it just random or uh curators you don't have to like kidnap somebody's daughter and say put my song on your playlist um i mean maybe one of the curators of one of the playlists has had that happen to them. Like, who are we to know? That's true. Very true. Like, that could that could be why BB Rexa has a, her hit song on whatever. You know, like, we don't know these things. We don't. But did it, did it feel like to you the album? I don't know. Because it was a weird time, but I when you put out the album, when, actually I heard one song of yours, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this is some this person is special." That was my thought off of one song, the Hangman song. You can't see my finger. Mm-hmm. There's my finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard the whole album, and I was like, "Yeah, this person is this is this person is good." But I I don't know. Isn't it weird to you that like I know I'm just some dumb guy, but like that there was that response to one song and I feel like that song had a seemed pretty people liked it Mm -hmm. It, it's it was like um, honestly I think that's I think it's a really good song so I'm not (laughs) that surprised (laughs) I really like that song but I I think I was obviously surprised that that it was like organically successful. But at this point, like, like I have to like disconnect my expectations from reality or like just really not have any expectations at all because like I prefer to just make music and then be pleasantly surprised 
about whatever happens. So any, like the success from the first record was a pleasant surprise. And like anything that follows God willing is also just a pleasant surprise. Like, I don't really want to try, like, I don't, I don't want to force anything or like try to make anything happen that, that isn't meant, meant to happen. That's, that's wise. Cause I was not wise and I had expectations of things that I wrote that I thought were great. And then they didn't, you know, you, it's not, uh, it's bad for your mental health to have expectations. Totally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. For it, you know, for t- in, in some categories of life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in other categories, like your kitchen, your bathroom, keep those expectations high. I'm, you just realized how I've been failing at life. I've, you know, now I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't have had expectations for the script. I should have expectations for my bathroom. I did this all backwards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's a problem in one of my bathrooms. The bolts of the oh. toilet seat broke and I have yet to replace it. And my wife keeps no. getting mad and my kid, no one uses the bathroom anymore. I mean, we have another one. Oh, no. Oh, no. But if you're not careful, you, you slide off the thing. That's that's a huge issue. Yeah. I, I, I don't seem to have any problems with it, but they do. So I'm fine. Fuck them. Oh. <laughs> you got to think of their expectations of you as the... Are you the to- the toilet repair person of your family? No, not necessarily, but I for some reason this has fallen on me. And I keep but it's you know, I gotta go to the Home Depot. Nobody wants to do that. Home Depot's pretty fun. Okay, you're right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for an out, but you you won. You won again. There's point two so many Madeline. fun things about <laughs> if you even if you brought one of your kids, there's fridges there that have screens and you can draw on the screen on the fridge. Oh, I thought you were going to say I could put my kid in the fridge. You could do that too. <laughs> the options are so plentiful. Uh, here was something I thought about too. And I thought, I thought, cause you, you, you were a new band when you're first, when we first met and then you mm-hmm. had yet to do a big tour and you toured the fuck out of like once the pandemic ended you guys were all over the place right you did like i feel like you circled chunks of america and i saluted when Mm -hmm. i said that like twice or three times (laughs) (laughs) we we went on a tour with a band from our label called um wombo i love wombo yeah they're awesome so we went on like a small tour with them and we played three shows in the uk and then we went on tour with Good Morning. We and then we went to South by Southwest. And then we went on tour with Good Morning and played 31 shows. Wow. In or 31 shows in a month and a week. How were the Wombo? And it was so fun. 31, wait, 31 shows in how, how fast? In, in like a month and a week. So that's almost a show every night. Almost. Were you, because I know it's new, but was that, how was that? Because that show a night is a lot. And for a month, that's a fucking lot of work. And it's exhausting. It was, it was so fun. I want to do it again. 
but it definitely would take a lot more, a lot of preparation, like preparation is key. Did you feel you were prepared when you went out and did it? Cause it was all new. So you didn't know what the fuck to expect, right? No, we, but we had like gone on that, the mini tour with Wombo that was prepared us for being in the car and like eating, eating, eating habits and sleeping habits it had prepared us for, but, but in terms of like driving and exhaustion, it, it didn't prepare us for that. But like by week three, your brain is totally different than it is working, like waking up at six, going to work, coming home at three, making dinner, hanging out with a friend and going to bed like that life. And then like going on tour you're, by week three, your brain is like, you're like a different person. And it's so amazing. <laughs> it's like you don't care about anything <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> uh, and a, a lot of cocaine and groupies? Tons. Yeah, I figured. You guys seem Just, like a party band. Yeah, un, unending um, mountains of groupies and cocaine. <laughs> Because when, when I heard Hey Man, <clears throat> excuse me, I was like, this is the new David Lee Roth of our, this is the David Lee Roth of this era. I don't know who that is. The singer for Van Halen. <laughs> the first singer for Van Halen. Oh, did he have like long blonde hair? Yeah. He just did a lot of cocaine. I mean, a lot of cocaine. Yes. Yes. I think I saw that there's this documentary about 80s hair metal or like just 80s metal with like Megadeth. And like a bunch of other people. Yeah. And I think that guy, there's an interview of him in a pool on yeah. a flotation device with a beer and he, uh, no, 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 a bottle of whiskey. And he's just chugging the bottle of whiskey, just saying like nothing fucking matters. And his mom is in a lawn chair, like a pool chair right beside him, just watching. Oh, I don't think that is David Leroy. Cause you're talking about, uh, fuck, I can't think of the name of that documentary. But I know the documentary you're talking about. Yeah. He, Who's that guy? I can't remember. Van Halen was more upbeat than, you know, the song Jump? Might as well jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, Van yeah, Halen. Yeah. And that's yeah. David Lee Roth. But David Lee Roth is fascinating. I'm going to look at a picture right now. He's a fascinating dude. He speaks fluent Japanese for whatever that's worth. Whoa. And like apparently, and I don't know how true this is, but he when he left Van Halen... He went and was like an EMT, and but he's like a, he's, oh. he's kind of like a male bimbo, like but he's fast. He's like super smart and shit. It's called a himbo. A himbo. A himbo. Less fuck. I can't think of the name of that. But they they're also there's a the person who did that documentary also did a punk documentary. Oh yes, yeah. I think I've seen that one too. Uh. Eighties The doc, what is that doc called? It's like the days of... Oh, The Decline of Western Civiliz Civilization Part 2. I can't think of who that dude is in the pool, but yeah. Yeah. And then they were upset grunge came. It was like, yeah, we we had enough of your mm -hmm. music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what was... Was it interesting to see that much of the United States? Like, because I'm curious what the what an outsider's mm -hmm. view of 
get because it's a weird place. I'm not a fan. It is. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a fan, but I'm also like fascinated. It's just a like the the energy of the U.S. is super insane. <laughs> I don't know. There's no other way to put it. It's insane. It's an insane it's place. It's manic. Yeah. It's a manic place. Yeah. Plus- and it's like, it's enchanting. Like we, we went, there were two dates in Canada, Toronto and Montreal. And it felt weird. It was like, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> we got to go back down to, to America. Like that's where we can, that's where our brains can be mushy again. I don't know. Like, yeah, we're mushy here. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm, gonna, like, I'm just going to edit that and then be like, Madeline Link from PAX says America has mushy brains. <laughs> I think by the time I was in Canada, my brain was mush. And I was just like, oh, I have to pay my taxes here. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just like America is like Canada, but like, but with guns. An, an amusement park. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, I don't know. Was that weird to see those? Because when you get to, like, the cities are fine, most of the cities. But, like, when you get to rural America, there's, like, those Jesus, the billboards get, like, oh, boy, what is going on here? Oh, yeah. Well, we were staying, the places that we stayed every night were, whether you were in the north or the south, they were not the safest places to be. Another coffee. But, More coffee grounds. <laughs> oh, delightful. I don't know if you saw me moving my jaw like I was... Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> also mountains of Are you cocaine. drinking French press? Uh, I have one of those uh, stovetop espresso machines. I'm oh, stuffy. yeah. Nice. I keep sniffling. Nice. Oh. Uh, so, what... Oh, yeah, the south. Staying in the south? Yeah, north... I guess like safest place. You said they weren't the safest places. Yeah. Nowhere where we were staying was ever the safest place. Except the place in LA. That was a good spot. Downtown LA is super sketchy. Oh, good. Downtown LA can be sketchy and scary and weird, as you probably witnessed. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. It's fucked up down. It used to, it's worse. When I was, I used to work down there in a bar. And it was bad. And I was like, well, this will get better because how could this get worse? <laughs> oh, and it's just gone worse? Yeah. I mean, I, the last time I was mm. down there, and it's been a minute, it was like fucking people just shooting up like out in the open. Oh. Yeah, I think guns are a huge problem in America. Like, we didn't ever experience any like freaky gun uh shenanigans but it's got to be on your I, mind I, right yeah yeah totally yeah i meant shooting up heroin but the gun thing is mm-hmm. <laughs> but like are you serious oh shooting up yeah like I, shooting up yeah i would see people uh, like, but guns are like but also there's people shooting up yeah because it's a like i'm legitimately like at the point with the, all of it in America where if I go to the grocery store, like 
I'm also hyper aware of such things because I came from a violent background. <laughs> Not to brag, my household was rough, but like I'm so I'm conscious of like if I'm with like at a street fair or whatever, that's something that's on my mind of like where can I hide? Where which is not the way people should oh live. Oh my god! But that's what the, you must be in Canada. You just must be like, what the fuck is up with those people? How do they? How do they? Well, own? it's. Yeah, it's like this the automatic rifles? Like there's no need for it. Why would anyone need that? I I, I don't know. That's the thing that makes me confused about about I mean that amongst many other things make me very confused about about America, but like but then it's like you can make all those like generalizations about the country like as a country, but then every city, every small, tiny town, every gas station, like the people that you, that you actually meet and interact with are also, I can't make a generalization about every single person, but like, there's so many amazing, sweet people that are very dedicated to, to like whatever it is that they're doing that also is like intoxicating to see. Because that sort of thing you, doesn't always happen in Canada. Like people are, you ask people like, "How are you doing today?" or whatever, and they're like, "Live in the dream," like very sarcastic <laughs> and you know, very like, like, like they hate their life. And whereas I think a lot of the times, like you meet somebody in a tiny town in a gas station, and you're like, "How are you?" and they're like, "I'm doing just great, Missy. How are you?" You know, like. <laughs> So did you get any time to, you didn't, I mean, you were so on the go, you didn't really get to get to see any cities, did you? We got to see Austin. I've never been to Austin. I want to. Oh, it's so fun. There's so much good. The boot store. Oh, yeah. Did you get cowboy yes. boots? Oh, we bought cowboy boots. We went as a... As a tour activity, both bands went to the cowboy boots store and bought boots. Not everyone, but yeah. Do you like cowboy boots? It was fun. I do. I could see you in cowboy. You gonna write a country song now? Mm, I no, but I I think cowboy boots are. They're good because, I mean, the ones that I bought, they're, like, kind of fancy. It's, like, you can kind of take a very casual outfit and turn it into a bit more of a fancy outfit, but you're not wearing, like, crazy stiletto platform boots. Like, they're they're work boots, but they're classy and fancy. I dig it. Yeah. What was your favorite place to what was your favorite city to play where you were like holy fuck we just we just these people they love us we own oh my gosh um the one in colorado what is that city called denver or boulder denver 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 that's cool and uh phoenix arizona phoenix phoenix is pretty cool I guess. I Denver. Oh, so was it Tucson or? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Phoenix. Yeah, 
Yes, it was Phoenix. Did you feel too after you're on the road thirty one? You did thirty one shows and whatever. Was mm-hmm. there like a groove you hit, and then you were like, "Fuck!" Like where? Because I know, like from when I used to do comedy stuff, you go on the road, mm-hmm. and then there's a point where it becomes almost like you just fucking. It's effortless because you're like, oh, I've done this so much. I could, mm-hmm. just, I could do this in my sleep, but you fucking knock it around. And you, I don't know. It's, did you feel your band getting tighter and better and just like, and discovering while you were up there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some times when it was like the next day we had the day off and we were all like, no, I wish we were just still playing because I feel like tomorrow night would be even, would just take the cake, you know? We would just be so good. Like we, it's, it is really fun to play multiple nights in a row. And do you feel like because you have had that tour and got tighter as a band, do you feel that influenced the approach to the new album or any of that? Well, the album, this album, Crispy Crunchy Nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that album, we had not toured yet. Really? This was recorded before the big tour? Yeah. Wow. Look what I learned. Yes. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it took so long for that album to be produced on vinyls. vinyl, so that way, or for that reason... It's coming out like over a year after it was made. That's crazy. So how how long after the first album did this one come out? Because you also did the acoustic. So I don't. I was going to yeah. say solo, but I guess it was sort of solo. It is, yeah. But yeah, like I don't know how many. I guess the first album came out in June or something, July. I don't know. (laughs) I really, really have no concept of time anymore. I'm really bad at time, too. To me, it could have been like last year. I was like, oh, that came out last year. Because life is a fucking blur. Yeah. Yes. So you already probably have another album recorded, is what I'm getting at. Not recorded. Not yet. Soon? Yeah. God damn, you're prolific. I was going to call you a motherfucker. You're a prolific motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that for sure. I'm impressed by your ability, your songwriting. I love it. Like, I am a huge fan of what you do. Thank you. And you know, when you you sent me these songs last year, of your top Spotify songs, and... That song, Everything is Bullshit. Oh, yeah. By Particle Particle Kid. Yeah. I could not stop listening to that song. I was the same way. Yeah. It was such a good song. I was, that song influenced Uh, like a thing I was writing, and I wrote it into the script because I couldn't, and it fit. And it was like really weird. Like, like that song, like I was listening to it while walking. I was like, oh, and it like opened up a whole thing I was trying to write. You know who that, who his dad is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. 
He's great. He's really, he did the podcast. He's a really cool, interesting dude. Oh, I, I'm going to have to listen to that one, to that episode. He's, uh, he's wild. He's like, and he'll just message me on Instagram, but he'll just send me like weird memes of like, you know, cats jumping in somebody's face or something. Like he doesn't say, yeah. uh, he just will be like, send me weird <laughs> shit. It's good to be on that level, like with someone. It means that, 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 that when they're watching memes, that that meme makes you, makes them think of you. <laughs> it's almost romantic yeah <laughs> truly uh yeah i can't remember what we talked about i but other than we talked about hemp products a lot because he's the son of holy mm. nelson so why wouldn't he mm-hmm. of course and hemp is a good material for like clothing and stuff he was saying which i thought was he was putting a because uh, he lives in Northern California where it, it sets on fire more than Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is a great thing about the state uh, that we have fire season. <laughs> like how absurd is that? Mm-hmm. But he was, he has like this, he insulated his house with hemp, but then he also put this processed hemp on the outside of his house. So his house wouldn't catch on fire. Like that's how, Whoa. like he was really, he's a big, but it's like also a limited and he was saying how that would, I don't know, there's a lot of environmental benefits to it. So, of course, the U.S. is not, mm-hmm. it's not. Exactly. Easy. Yeah. It's illegal, is it not? Yeah. I think it's eased, eased up a lot, but still it's like limited and stupid fucking country. I, it's mm-hmm. just like, how stupid are we? Y'all aren't stupid. The people in charge aren't stupid, but they're in the pockets of corporations. It's that's the that's the problem. Yeah, it's really. I mean, the big reason we're moving from California to Minnesota is because of fire season. And today, it's there's a high alert because the air's so bad. And I'm mm. just like, fuck this. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm gonna go yeah. where the water is. Yeah. Totally. And it does. Fires are freaky. Oh yeah, you had some there, didn't you? In Chile. Yeah, it's fire season here. It's. The latitudes are equal. I didn't know that. The latitude of the place that I was is the equal latitude, like equal in the north, latitude of San Santa Cruz. Interesting. Yeah. Do you... Here was something, because I was listening to you this morning, your music, not you, and you. I am listening to you this morning. Mm. But uh, <laughs> but I was, and I was listening to Nina Simone. So that's, mm. you're in great company. Yeah. But I was wondering, like, as a songwriter, do you have, because you look at, like, someone like Nina Simone, she went from doing a lot of standards, and then she started, you know, like, I don't know, you know, she evolved. I'm just wondering if you have like goals of things that you wish to achieve as a songwriter, like things that you haven't reached yet or like, you know, like I want a choir or a string section or. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it. Yeah, that would be fun. (laughs) Well, because I know you also have such a, you're a big blues fan, which we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. I love uh, the idea of 
well, for, my goal forever is to not write songs that sound identical. That's my main goal. That's what I'm always going to be aspiring to do. So that will probably like one day lead to like greater instrumentation, but that would require having more resources as a band. So I will dream of having trumpets and like, a maybe not a choir, but trumpets, strings, organs, like 60s organs. Yeah. Um, any type of cool organs. <laughs> Honestly, I love like vintage organs. But yeah, like just fun, um, fun instruments that are fun to mess around with would be cool but like i don't really think specifically directional goals yeah i always wondered that because like you know you look at some of the great dudes song dudes i didn't mean that but you know great songwriters mm -hmm. and they start you know like you look at the beatles i was hoping not to use the beatles but we'll use mm -hmm. the beatles <laughs> But, like, you know, the early stuff is great, but it's evolved and changed so fucking much. And yeah. I'm like, is that just an organic thing, or are they at some point going? I feel like they did not have a goal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that, like, when they were in, like, 1964 or whatever, they weren't like, oh, we're going to go play sitars in India. <laughs> I always... Soon. I wonder how much of that is George Martin, too. Like, not to say, that, not to take away, but I feel like, you know, like, are the Beatles the Beatles if they don't have George, George Martin? And is Michael Jackson Michael Jackson if he doesn't have fucking Quincy Jones? And Quincy Jones, um, I don't know. Like, I saw a thing where uh, Pretty Young, is it Pretty Young Thing? There's some mm -hmm. song to, by Michael Jackson that has a string riff. Like, it's, um, and Michael didn't want it. And George and Quincy Jones was like, sorry, it's staying in. And it's the most po popular part of the song. Uh, yeah, I feel like that happens a lot with producers and songwriters. A songwriter will be like, absolutely not. And the producer will be like, oh, but it's so good. Please. And then, yeah, and then it ends up being everyone's favorite part of the song, and the songwriter is just like, oh, curses. Did you work with the same producer both times? Us. Oh, you produced both albums? I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's fucking awesome. Yes. I didn't know that. Now I'm even more impressed by you, Kat. Uh-huh. Uh... <laughs> I was trying to think if there was something else I had on the songwriting thing. I thought I did, but we got... Yes. Working... <clears throat> yeah, working with a producer is an interesting idea, for sure. Would you do that? Would you consider it? If Quincy yeah. Jones wanted to work with you? Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be an immediate yes. Yeah. Because I'm always interested in that, because, like... uh I don't know how much of that is collaboration or how much, because some of the bigger dudes are kind of dicks about it and they're like, 
we do it my way. Yeah. That wouldn't be fun. No. Especially the old old stuff, the old Phil Spector stuff where it was all just mm-hmm. Phil Spector. I mean, he did great stuff. Yeah. F- fuck that guy. Fuck that creep. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's insane. Oh, that's what I was going to talk to you about, the blues thing. Did you ever see the... Mm-hmm. You ever see that there's a documentary on Netflix. I would assume it's in Canada as well, but you're in Chile, so who knows. But it's about... It's called Rebel, and it's about Link Ray, but it also goes into other indigenous... Uh-huh indigenous artists and music and it did it enlightened me to something i had no fucking idea about and maybe i'm just ignorant but the indigenous influence on old the like original blues music and charlie pack pat Patton, charlie packs Patton, i believe was his name was like an indigenous dude not a black blues dude and he was like the major influence to like Howlin' Wolf and stuff. And it's like mind blowing once you realize how much the singing and like rhythm is from indigenous folk and that, that it was a mingling of the two. It blew my fucking mind away. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, they bring- And very, yeah. Like something that everyone should probably see. I can't, like now I listen to blues music, like especially the singing. Like the, mm-hmm. I don't want to impersonate it because then it will be like, why is this white guy doing that? <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, because they would put the, they would just call them colored people and they put the indigenous and black folks sort of in camps and whatever together. So that's why the, that's when the cultures, and that's why you have in New Orleans, you have the whole um. Indian culture of the, of the, when they, I don't know if you know, but like in New Orleans during Mardi Gras and stuff, these there's people who dress up like these elaborate Indian costumes and it is from part from the intermingling of the cultures. Oh, wow. Really wild. I blew my yeah. mind away. Cause I was like, Oh, I felt ignorant and stupid, but that's usually how I wake up and say that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm smart. I'm not stupid. That sounds like a sick movie. Yeah. You're smart. No, but, and you're a geography genius Thank on you. top of it. Thank you, Madeline. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. But, um, what is that, what is that movie called? Rebel? Rebel. And it's, it starts off on Link Ray, cause I'm a huge Link Ray fan. Yeah. He's like, like the godfather. You know what I learned though, also, cause I always was like, oh, Link Ray was the like, but the dude who played... Now I'm flaking on his name and I feel bad. The guy who was Elvis's first guitarist was like a major, like supposedly he created, uh, the, he was the inventor of the power chord, which I always thought it was Link Ray. Oh. I went down. Oh, cool. Scotty Moore, I believe is his name. Oh. Mm. And if you listen to that old, the early, like cool. subtle, early Elvis stuff, this guitar is really great. The inventor of the power chord. Yeah, and I guess Keith Richards was like Scotty Moore was the reason he wanted to play guitar. Wow. So that was and and I guess Elvis didn't didn't play the guitar. He did. He was actually a really good guitar player, but he just fronted. I went down a whole Elvis wormhole, and not because of that. Oh, okay. Movie, not because of the movie, because the movie's fucking awful. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, oh, good to know. Oh, I couldn't get through five minutes of it, I, and it's brutal. Wow. But there's a good documentary about Elvis on HBO. That's that, good. Very good to know. Yeah, it's bad. Plus, I can't stand it filming here. My th- my theory is, you know, the Chuck D line from po- "Fight the Power" is uh, Elvis was a hero to most, but he didn't mean shit to me. Fuck, motherfuck him and John Wayne. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that l- lyric end- ended up influencing a generation of how people view Elvis, which later Chuck D recanted. But I think everyone views Elvis as a dude who was who uh, co-opted black culture and music for his mm. own. And what I realized is, is that Elvis's music from the doc and then some research was a, a mix of, it was blues and he did definitely borrow some singing style, but it was also a mix of blues, black gospel, white gospel, and bluegrass, which no one had really combined. Because if you listen to the guitar mm. on that early stuff, it's more, it's more country bluegrass than it is blues, which is... Mm. So, and Elvis was like actually really loved, like he wasn't like stealing. He was very influenced and passionate about it. And the mm-hmm. documentary also showed him as a guy who was like searching, like searching for himself and meaning through music. It wasn't just like, I'm some fucking pretty. And I've been listening to a lot of his old stuff. That dude could fucking sing. Like there is no fucking yeah. doubt that guy. Could. But I think everybody got obsessed with fat Elvis and fat pill Elvis. <laughs> Which is really tragic because he's like this really charismatic, talented dude. Mm-hmm. I I found it really I don't know like a, was that a tangent? oh that's cool no 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 that sounds like that that really that made me want to that made me actually want to be Elvis curious I wasn't before I will say I feel like he got and what kills me is people are like he's just co opted black culture but the thing was. I'm like, how can we say this about Elvis? But then Led Zeppelin blatantly would steal. They would take blues songs and put them in their songs, word for word, note for note. Nobody says that about Led Zeppelin. And they didn't get... Elvis at least fucking made these guys a ton of money because he gave them writing credit. Led Zeppelin... Really? Are you serious? About Zeppelin? No, about Elvis? I mean, he... I mean... By using the songs, whoever had was songwriting credit would be. He gave them songwriting credit. He would. That's he, so huge. He was just an interpret. He was an interpreter, like Sinatra. He didn't. Elvis didn't write anything. He just did other people's songs. So they would get. And he admitted it. Yeah, he. I mean, you know, he, Mama. I think Hound Dog was originally Big Mama Thornton. Mm. But Zeppelin would take fucking Muddy Waters tunes and say they wrote it. <laughs> it's like it's mm. insane to me. Yeah, bad form. They've been sued more than any band. Like, it's like, it's insane how many times they've been sued. And have they lost every case? I think they've lost most of them. (laughs) Well, good. They're, I mean, not good, but they're getting what's, what was coming to them. Do you like Led Zeppelin? No, not really. Like, I just, I, I couldn't really name any as a Led Zeppelin song, unfortunately. No, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I, stupid sometimes about that. Like, it's basically like, in terms of classic rock, if my dad didn't listen to them, 
then we didn't listen to them. So, because your dad has good taste and an extensive record collection, I remember. Yes, yes. But you listen to blues, which is, I think, far more important than listening to Led Zeppelin. It's. I think it's just more. Like it warms my soul. Like it. It fulfills my listening needs. I know what you mean. And Led Zeppelin does not. Me too. What yeah. What have you been listening to lately? What's of reggae? Oh, really? Tons, yeah. What stuff? Um, like Bob Marley. <laughs> I love Bob Marley. I actually was listening to uh-uh. some Bob Marley recently because I feel like there's certain songs you've heard so much. That you've mm-hmm. so when they come on you you take them for granted yes and that's what I've been going back and listening to those songs and reappreciating them yes that's important to do every once in a while because there's a reason Bob Marley is as big as Bob Marley was or is yeah yeah and I feel he's, a, he's amazing that's how I feel about and I also went down a Sammy Davis Jr. wormhole lately mm-hmm. <laughs> Because the dude was huge, and I'm like, why was this guy so big? So I have to go learn why. Yeah, it's true. And there's, like, you once you learn, like, Elvis, it's like, the dude was talented, and he was insanely charismatic. It's like, there's a reason someone's that famous. For yeah. fucking ever. Yeah, it's not forever. F- it's infinite. Elvis will always be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who, That's true. Who else have you been listening to? Uh, I don't know. I can, let me look. Let me see. Would you ever do a reggae type song? Have you been in reggae influenced? No. I can't, I don't think in that way. Like, rhythmically. Oh, Los Prisioneros. Do you know that band? No. They're pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Um, lots of, yeah, Chilean rap. Ooh, how's that? It's awesome. Um, oh, I recently discovered the ballad of Dorothy Parker. Who does that? Prince. Oh, fuck. How do I not know? I'm moving to Prince's Town. I should know this. Oh, 7th Street Entry. Did you play there? Yes. How was that? It was fun. There was a, there's a smaller room, and so we played the smaller room, and then the same night, there's this person there named Tate McRae. She's from Canada, I think. And in her touring band, there was a, a sound guy that we all knew from Toronto. Anyway, it was weird. I love when shit like that happens on the road. Yeah. Yeah, and some someday, like, you realize, like, you're following one band, like, wherever they're going, but playing different venues, and they're taking all your people I've been on tour with band, well, like as a 
comedy guy, but there, we followed, there was some shitty nineties band and we kept ending up in like diners and I'd be like, there's like something like Kings, some shitty band. <laughs> Kings something. So no big tour or big tour. Or are you going to skip touring? No, we're not going to skip touring. 